about you, but I sure needed that song. I needed that song today. I need to be reminded every day. It isn't just this day in this song. It's every day. I need to be reminded that God is sovereign, that he is not lost control, that he's not, he's not just allowing all of these things to go on in our lives and and, and, and it was frustrating just getting back into it. And then the power's out and all that kind of stuff when the power goes out. and Just frustrating stuff. But to be there in that moment, in that prayer, in the middle of the humidity in the house and to just kneel and eventually lay face down on the ground and profess again. And my heart warmed again, God, God, you are sovereign that you are working in the middle of all of this and you're working for my good and for my glory. And for us to be able to do that in those moments of frustration when the hits just keep coming, to be reminded, you see, Christian, spirit of the living God lives in us. It's in those moments when we look to heaven and profess him as who he is and that we love him, even in the middle of all of this stuff, because he's with us. I need to be reminded, not just today, but every day, that he's sovereign, and that he loves me, and he is in control. Amen? Amen. And we look at that as we as we enter into this message today, to be reminded again today that the Lord is perfectly patient. Oh, thank you, God. If you would like to read along in the passage for this message, uh, we are in the letter of Saint uh, of Second Peter, in Second Peter chapter three. Uh, today we are going to be reading our passage, First, Second Peter 3, verses 1 through 10. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, 
being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Father, we thank you so much that in your sovereignty you have preserved your word for us. Lord, your word that, that gets inside of us, that, that cleanses us. Your word that builds yourself up inside us as we receive it deep into our hearts. So Holy Spirit, again today, Lord, we ask you, we need you to open our ears. Lord, we want to hear Open our eyes, Lord, we, we want to see. And, oh, Lord, as we do each day, Lord, touch our hearts and, and, and make them soft and moldable and able to receive your word deep into our hearts that Jesus will rise inside us and live. Lord, we thank you and praise you and worship you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are inside our sermon series, God Our Creator. And today, before we begin, as we're beginning, we are remembering again that God our Creator is really God our Lord. He is over all. And in Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. All. It's good for us to know this. Better yet, it's good for us to look to heaven and profess with all of our heart, you are Lord of all. It's good. Oh, it's good. It's, it's like the honey that that falls from the honeycomb. It's like the oil that is poured down on Aaron's head and drips off from his beard on the inside of us. Jesus Christ, you, you are Lord of all. And although he is Lord of all, the last time we saw that he is not a power monger, He's not trying to beat us into submission. In fact, we saw that although the people of the city of Nineveh, although they were godless people, and in the eyes of Jonah, deserving of the wrath of God, we saw the Lord is the compassionate. He wanted to get involved. 
He wanted the people of Nineveh to hear his message of the coming destruction of the city. He wanted them to hear it. So the Lord compassionate called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And one way or the other, Jonah was going to get to Nineveh. It just so happened he needed a ride in the mouth of a whale to get there. But yet it was in that compassion for the people of the city of Nineveh that God went to such a great length to get the message of the coming wrath to the people. Why? Because he's not just a God that sits way out there somewhere on a cloud compassionate about what we're going through. He is also the Lord, the gracious. He gets involved. He reached down and sent Jonah. He reached down and prepared the hearts of the people of Nineveh to hear the message of the coming destruction of the city of Nineveh and to know who we need saved. You see, God feels for us. He understands what we struggle with. He knows that he is the only solution to satisfy our inner need for a solution. He knows what ails us. And he is a God that gets involved to provide for our every need according to his wishes in glory. And God still gets involved with us. He doesn't wait for us. His grace goes before leading us to his love and his mercy. You see, the Lord is both compassionate and gracious. Amen? And so today, we dig into further the character of God, our creator, in his profession of himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, by seeing that the Lord is perfectly patient. Say that with me. The Lord perfectly patient. Perfectly patient. Have you ever met anyone with a short fuse? (laughs) we'll keep right on going real fast how's that saying but you know I mean it isn't more than a minute and the wrath of that person comes out I mean it, it, it doesn't even need to be a minute sometimes it can be a moment but you see what we are looking at is As much of a weakness as it is to us, so great, so polar opposite God is, who he is. And he is the source of that perfect patience. In our passage today, Peter is in the middle of the second letter to God's elect strangers that are in the world. 
and they were scattered throughout Asia Minor. It's an area known today as Turkey. A lot of the New Testament church was in that whole area. And Peter ultimately was writing to the churches on how to deal with false teachers, how to deal with evildoers who had come into the church. Peter was ultimately attempting to stimulate Christian growth and encourage watchfulness in view of the Lord's certain return. Anybody here know that the Lord is going to come back someday? Anybody here believe that? It's going to happen. It's not, it, 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 it is, it's going to happen. It's imminent. But don't ask me when because I don't know. Did you know that Jesus doesn't even know? Only his Father in heaven knows what that day is. Peter ultimately wanted the church to grow in their Christian faith. And it's here in chapter 3 that Peter addresses the Lord perfectly patient. These two letters of Peter, 1st and 2nd Peter, they were written somewhere in the early 60s A.D., and that would have been just a little over 30 years after Jesus was crucified, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven. The believers were left with the impression that his return would come very soon. Say those two words with me. Very soon. You and I have a definition of what very soon is. And maybe pastor ending his sermon today, maybe it will be very soon. Don't hold your breath. But you see, now here we are in our day and age around 1992 years after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. How much more for those of us that are still awaiting his very soon coming. But as Peter professed in verse 9 of our passage, and please read this with me, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance say that last word with me again repentance let me ask you a question why is it that the lord has a reputation of being locked and loaded ready to strike at a moment's notice why is that Isn't it because we have read and know the words on the surface of the Old Testament? We know how God interacted with people in the Old Testament. Isn't it because we see the plagues that come as a result of unbelief and pride and arrogance? Isn't it because we read man's interpretation 
of the reasons that God moved as he did in the Old Testament? Isn't it because we, we see God as a human, the way a human would react in the face of unbelief and evil in the world? So where in the Bible does the Lord say, I am locked and loaded, I am ready to pour down hellfire and brimstone? Friends, it's not there. We've added that into his word. So why, friends, are we prone to suffer from the Jonah syndrome? Right? You know the story of Jonah. He sat there in the last verses of it and said, Come on, God, bring that hellfire and brimstone. Let it fall on these evil people. Let, let your will come upon them. God did let his will fall upon them, for they repented, and they believed. And for a time, the city of Nineveh flourished in the hand of the Lord. Let me ask you another question. Is it a sin to get angry? Clearly, anger is not a sin because Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4 and verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not sin, right? So clearly, there's a difference between being angry and sinning in your anger. Oh, boy. Oh boy. And anger, though, is clearly not sin because the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, said that He is slow to anger. All right, you see the polar opposite again? Short fuse. You're going to get it both barrels when, I, when my fuse runs out, when I'm angry. But the Lord, He's slow. To even become angry. You see how far that is apart? That's an Old Testament profession of himself. He's slow to even get angry. And that's exactly why I like the way that Peter illustrates this slowness to anger in our passage today by using what we might say as the Lord's seeming delay in finishing off the world. For as Peter said just one verse before, he said, with the Lord, go ahead and say it with me, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And going all the way back to the book of Genesis regarding man's rebellious condition, as a consequence of the fall, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. I don't know anybody that's lived to be 120 years. In fact, I don't know that I met anyone that lived 100 years. 
I know some people that lived well into their 90s. I know some that are still alive well into their 90s. But that word contend is a key word here. I will not contend. It infers that the Spirit of the Lord is contending, not against fallen man. I want you to see that. Not contending with against man, but against the rebellious nature. Do you see that? God loves the man. God longs for the man to come to him. God longs to shower the man with his blessings, the woman as well. Man is the species here, not just men. God longs to bestow upon humanity. But we can't have it both ways. We can't have it both ways. We want our cake and we want to eat it too. We want God's blessing, but we want to live the way we want to live and do what we want to do. We can't have it both ways. But the Lord is not contending against the man. He's contending for the man. Against the sin that so corrupts the man. We have to start seeing the character of God. He's contending for us, not against us. He's contending against sin and rebellion in man and, 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 and independence of God and living my way. He's contending against that nature. He wants us to come to him and see him. As the God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious, the slow to even become angry. That's who God is. That's the God that I love. Not the power monger that's locked and loaded with hellfire and brimstone. We're afraid of that man. We're afraid of that God. And for 120 years as the maximum amount of time that the Lord will contend with the sin in each soul. That was about 6,000 years ago when God spoke that, when the Lord made that statement. The point being, when we think of the Lord and that in Christ Jesus our Lord, that we are called to love like Jesus, we have to see that the Lord is a perfect gentleman. If we want to continue on in our divided life, divided between loving God and loving this world, you think God is going to whack us? He's going to allow us, and we'll reap what we sow. He's a perfect gentleman, not pushing himself on us, gently reaching and calling us because we're mortal. And he's not going to contend with our rebellion for up only 120 years maximum. All right? The Lord doesn't treat us as we think he should. 
The Lord does not have his arsenal of hellfire and brimstone locked and loaded, anxiously waiting to unleash it upon the world. When are you going to come and whack the world? That's Jonah syndrome, by the way. Right? And if the Lord is willing to contend for the soul for up to 120 years, if the Lord has been coming back very soon for almost 2,000 years, and 2,000 years is like two days to you and I, I wasn't even without power two days. Only 38, 39 hours without power. Still had nine hours. 2,000 years to God is like two days. Then the Lord, the Lord, both compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, he earnestly desires that not one of us would perish in rebellion. Not one of us would perish separated from his saving grace. In fact, the Lord earnestly desires that everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That everyone would see and accept him as he is, as the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, and on and on. That everyone would bend the knee and submit their lives and trust their lives to the Lord to live for him completely. That everyone would no longer trust in their own human understanding of God and the like. That not everyone would would no longer trust in him completely. You see, the Lord earnestly desires that all will, in all of their ways, submit to him and trust in him. And he will then in turn make their path straight to the kingdom of God, both now and forevermore. Why? Because he is the Lord, perfectly patient. Verse 